This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Hello, and welcome to another World of UX podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thanks, everyone, for taking the time to join us on today. A special welcome also, as always, to those of you joining the podcast or listening for the first time. We are continuing today, part nine of the series where we're talking about today's sinister culture at work in the world of user experience, different things that are happening to our detriment, different things that are putting us at a disadvantage, things that are happening that a lot of people are accepting as the norm, but they are actually things that we need to be paying attention to and doing something about and and heading off the, the trolls and the detractors, everything that we're mentioning. I, I love how someone will say sometimes, how can we make this an educational experience or a learning experience? When truth of the matter is for emotionally intelligent people and for people that are given to critical thinking, Practically everything we hear is an educational experience. You you can hear anything, and, and after you process it and understand it, the name of the game is, what should I do now? What can I do now? And so there are some of us out there, some people don't understand that we exist because it doesn't exist in their world. And, and some people are so arrogant to think that if it doesn't exist in their world, that it doesn't exist at all. The truth of the matter is that Everything that critical thinkers hear, we arrive at a conclusion. You either say, Hoke, okay, I can do this. I should do this. I need to observe a little bit more. Or right now, I need to do nothing. And then even going further than that, you can say, hey, this is a battle I'm not going to fight right now. So there's always some type of an educational experience, some type of action that needs to at least be considered so we don't have to fabricate an educational experience to satisfy people who are playing the straw man game. <laughs> so we, I'm not going to do it. Uh, I know that it's not necessary. I can hear anybody say anything and I'm going to arrive at a conclusion. It, it either an action needs to be taken or it doesn't. And if an action needs to be taken, what is the best course of action? And the question is, do you have enough knowledge? Do you have enough information to to devise or determine what that best course of action should be? And if you don't, then you have enough sense to sit and wait or go look for that information to see what's going on. There are some of us out here that live in objectivity. There are some of us out here that that are, I'm reminded of, instead of just saying, I'm going to tell you a quick little story. Before we get into today's dedicated topic, and I'll explain that in a bit. But I was speaking at an event once, and there was uh, it was a conference. I won't say what conference it was, but I was speaking at a conference, and I was the I spoke at about three p.m. So I, the conference ended at five. I was next to the last speaker at the event. There was someone else who spoke earlier in the day, and when that person spoke, they said that. We all have biases and we can't do anything about it. Knowing that I was going to say something that was completely 
the opposite of that. Later on, I just went, uh-oh. And so later on that day, I did. I delivered my talk on emotional intelligence for the first time. And during that talk, I talked about how we we need to excel at neutrality. And in order to excel at neutrality, you have to manage your biases. You have to be able to spot them when they're at work as best you can. And you need to be able to manage them so that they don't impact the work that you're doing or the perspectives that you have. This is something that emotionally intelligent people can and will do. Uh, So I, I can imagine that that person had a big gulp when I mentioned that later in the day. Ironically, the same person who happens to be an author in the UX world who sells a lot of books. And interestingly, that particular person, we had an, an interaction once where I was talking about things that were happening. This is a great lead in, in a sense of, of how it relates to the topic at hand. I was talking about things that were going on in UX that we need to pay attention to. We need to do something about We need to combat it. We need to counter it. And this person proceeded to say, there's nothing wrong in UX today. Everything is wonderful. I'm going, wow. (laughs) That is amazing. It is grossly incorrect. And this person, it's, it's funny how many people there are in UX today who have these extremely jaded perspectives. And, and there's a few of them. Quite a few of them, and and practically, there's a lot of big-name folks who have this perspective in UX. They don't think that anything needs our attention. They don't think that anything needs to get fixed. They don't think that anything's wrong. All of them uh, are making money off of being on the circuit. None of them have full-time UX jobs. None of them know anything about the, uh, the, the being in the grind if you will. And I've had multiple people who have big names. If I drop those names right now, you would freak out if I told you who I know that feels this way. And and, and it's interesting because they're making buku bucks off of these perspectives while helping people to be blinded to these issues. And that detrimentally hurts us. So so that is a, a an element of this sinister culture that's at work today. The sinister culture abounds in UX because a lot of people who could do something about it won't. It abounds today because a lot of people could actually, if we got together, you know what? That is true. Let's speak out about it. That is true. Let's take action. Let's engage in a concerted group effort to, to flip these things over, to put an end to it. Everything I mentioned, I'm going to go to number 27 today. And we're just going to spend all of our time on 27. And there's a lot of sub-elements. If we don't counter these things, they're going to continue on the trajectory that they currently have. They're already causing a lot of problems. They're already jading a lot of minds. They're already just just leaving a path, a wake of destruction everywhere where they operate, untethered, unchecked. And, and But it's not the end of the game. We're, we're, game isn't over yet. We can still do something about it. So I'm sharing these things in hopes that people develop some sensitivity about it. 
and start working to to overturn these things. I'm not going to stand by and let it happen. And I'm thankful that I know a lot of people who who are of the same mind. And, and I keep mentioning the feedback I get. People are embracing the series. They understand the series. They're not fighting. But today's topic is going to get under a lot of people's skin. So as we shift into what we're going to talk about today, today's solo sinister culture item, and this was interjected, this was inserted because of some experiences and some observations that I had. We need to cover this now. I've talked about this a little bit already and give you a little bit of a hint by mentioning this. I believe it was number six on the list where I said that there are folks that still don't know that UX slash UI using that combo acronym is reflective of a misdirected mindset. That's what I said in number six. We need to build on that. This, this topic of UX UI needs its own dedicated episode. So here we are. The sinister trait that I want to cover today result revolves around the fact that UX slash UI peddlers abound. People who are out here pushing for the acceptance of this acronym, pushing for the normality of this acronym, trying to speak as if it's a thing. And, and this couldn't be further from the truth. So let's go through all of these sub-elements today as we cover this particular topic, this particular set. Now, number one, and I'm going to be really in your face, maybe a little bit more than normal today, we need to fix this. Whenever somebody says UX slash UI, we need to understand that these people are making a ridiculous and a redundant statement. And we've talked about this before, but we want to talk about it a little bit more. And I think we have talked about the whole UX UI thing and some of the items that weren't listed. They, they weren't assigned a number. But we need to understand every time somebody says, hey, I'm a UX UI designer. Hey, I, I want that UX UI job. Hey, don't you want to learn more about UX UI? Hey, here's something that all UX slash UI, UI designers should consider. They, they, they speak as if it's normal. So I want you to take some things into consideration because UX is actually an umbrella term that's referring to several things. And I think I said recently, somebody actually counted the ones on my illustration of the landscape of UX, the four pillars, that there's approximately 250 methods, methodologies, techniques, deliverables, and the like. So every time a person says UX, you're saying all 250 of those things. UX, 250. UX, 250. Every time you say UX, you're mentioning all of these things, of which UI is one. UI is a small segment within UX. Of, uh, it's a small segment. And when you think about Jesse James Garrett's five pillars, the presentation layer, the visual layer, is the last one. And until you do the other four, pay attention to the other four planes, you can't do anything with the, with the fifth plane, with the visual design plane. 
when you think about, and I, I'm I'm speaking right now, for those of you who may not have seen it, reach out to me. Ask for it or you'll, just, you'll find it. Go to uh, images.google.com and search for Four Pillars, Darren Hood, and the illustration will come up. You'll see it with a big UX in the middle and the four pillars. When people create an interface, which is what UI is, re- is referring to, user interface, when people create an interface, there are interaction design principles that need to be followed or that interface is not going to work. So you cannot separate UI from interaction design principles, things like Tognazzini's interaction design principles, which is extremely immersive. They're really a gigantic set of heuristics, if you will, associated with inter- with interface design. And we need to pay attention to that. Schneiderman has eight and there's some overlap between the two. You can take both of them, apply them to your work, and you'll you'll accomplish great things when you do that. But a lot of people, when they say UI, they're just talking about putting together something and making it pretty. They're just talking about grabbing Figma. There are people that think that if you know how to use Figma, that you're a UX person. There are people who are who are Figma jockeys that never touch user experience principles. You can actually design a user interface and never use the appropriate principles to optimize the design of that interface. UX and UI are two different things. It's addressing two different concepts. UI is 250. UI is one. It's one. That's it. And and so it's it's really redundant to say it. And, And here are some examples. Do you ever hear anybody say, I'm about to get ready for work slash brush my teeth. Do you ever hear anybody say, I'm about to eat dinner slash rolls? Do you ever hear anybody say, I'm about to go and test drive this car slash engine? Do you ever hear anybody say, hey, honey, I'm about to go and pick up the kids slash stop at a few traffic lights? You don't. That's what people are saying when they say UX UI. It's redundant. It is illustrative of a low personal UX maturity level. It illustrates a a low corporate or stakeholder UX maturity level. And if you've never heard my talk on different aspects of UX maturity, yeah, everybody has one. Every organization has one. We always talk about the organization, but individuals have them. Stakeholders can be assigned them. I've done that in the last 10 years or so of my career. It's a a wonderful way to help manage the work that you're doing to assign them to stakeholders and clients to give them a UX maturity level. Now you know who you're dealing with. Now you know how to tailor things, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I'll I'll start talking about that and never get anywhere today. It should also be noted, because we don't say those things, do we? And so saying UX, UI, it it doesn't make any sense. And, And it misrepresents who we are. It should be noted that most people who accept the UX slash UI, they accept the combo acronym. You ever seen people? Take take a look. The people who say it, the people who have it in their titles, the people who who make it, who who make that or include the acronym in their the combo, in their statements, in their posts on social media. These people, they've never been in UX very long. The vast, vast, vast majority of them. They have not been in UX very long. So when somebody offered them the Kool-Aid of UX slash UI, 
they embraced it. They accepted. Oh, well, you know, that person been in UX for five years. They, they got to know what they're talking about. There's a lot of people been in UX for five, in some cases, 10 years who don't know what they're talking about. So that's not a guarantee that somebody knows what they're, what they're saying. It's not a guarantee that they're giving you proper information. I have seen people who've been in UX 10 to 12 years that regularly spew misinformation. So, so, so take that one and, you know, put that one in, in your hip pocket and hold on to it as you observe different things. And part of the reason for this being accepted is that there are many people who teach that UX slash UI is, as I mentioned earlier, associated with normality. Oh, this is a norm. Oh, everybody accepts it. No, everybody doesn't accept it. The people who came in at a certain point accept it. And some people heard it over and over again, and they're taking that old principle that if you keep saying something, even though it's not true, people will eventually believe it. It's actually true that that will happen, but it happened with UX slash UI. We need to be rejecting this. Some people feel that we need to accept UX slash UI because companies accept it. They put it in their job titles. They say it all the time. They have they have a job uh, that they that they've posted, and it's for a UX slash UI designer. And I'm I'm looking for a job, so I'm going to apply for that job. So I'm going to go ahead and just go ahead and go along with what they're saying because I need this job. That that's a sense of cognitive bribery. We have to take a stand for what is. Companies don't dictate our discipline. Companies don't determine our trajectory. Companies don't get to tell UX professionals what's going on with regard to UX, especially when they, many cases, the vast majority of cases, still don't know what UX is. Why are we letting, I mean, since when does it make sense for someone or something, some entity who doesn't understand something, determine the definition, the tempo, and the trajectory for the thing they don't understand. That makes zero sense. But it's happening. So companies shouldn't be telling us what UX is. They shouldn't be telling us how it should be done. That is our job. It is our responsibility. Even if you work for a company that's doing that, we help drive UX maturity. But if we just go along just go with the flow because we're just trying to be safe and, and make sure we keep getting paid, then you're basically taking a bribe. You're getting, being paid to shut up. It's Your salary is hush money. You have to be willing to educate. You have to be willing to take the lead. We are in charge of our UX operations and we need to help people understand things so they can go in the right direction. Otherwise, your company will drown in a UX maturity deficit. And that, that's not a good thing. It should be noted that people with no filters are trying to speak on behalf of the discipline. And these are some of the people spreading the whole UX slash UI rhetoric. Well, I'm here to tell you today, not so. This is not a thing. It should not happen. And it only happens because a lot of us have done nothing about it. I have been in meetings with people. Just back, take a, a step back for a moment. I have been in meetings. And I'll let people know because I know it's my responsibility to help manage the UX maturity level where some stakeholder will say UX UI and, and, and I will eventually let them know and I'll do it in a way that is practical, that's professional, that's not in your face, something that's full of tact 
to let them know there's actually no such thing as UXUI. I, I eventually let them know because we've got to start moving things in the opposite direction. As soon as somebody says UX slash UI and there's 10 people in the meeting, and if you say nothing, all 10 people, all the other people besides yourself who heard that said will think that that's a thing. And now you got 10 more people embracing and spreading the UX UI rhetoric. There's a lot to be cleaned up and it's going to take some courageous people, some steadfast people, some deterrent people to get the work done. Not the coddlers, not the cowards. These are the people that let this stuff go and then it creates problems for us. Some people think it's acceptable to ignore the knowledge and the authority of those who are more experienced than them. When I came into UX and I saw Nathan Shedroff and I saw Jacob Nielsen, I didn't know who Jacob Nielsen was. I just knew he wrote a book. I didn't know who Don Norman was. I just knew he wrote a book. I didn't know who Jesse James Garrett was. I just know he wrote a book. I didn't know who Susan Weinshank was. I just know that she wrote a book. I, I learned something about them, but I also understood that they were in a position of authority. They were in a position to educate me, and I was not going to sit here and ignore them, and this is what people do. They choose to ignore people who precede them because they want to be in our shoes. So they decide to disavow. They decide to ignore. They decide to, to make it as if their quote-unquote opinion is equivalent to the things that we're saying, and then they want to go toe-to-toe with us. Now, what am I getting at with this? Me, myself, and people like me are always telling people it's not good to say UXUI. We're always willing to explain. 28 years for me, a senior, 28 years. I know other people, 20 years, 25 years, 22 years, 27 years, 30 years. And all of us say, ah, that whole UXUI thing, we need to, we need to drop that. Along comes people that's been doing UX for three months, two weeks, a year, two years, five years. I know people eight to 10 years in who will embrace UXUI or, or basically downplay the warnings that we're giving about saying UXUI. And, 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 and then as if we're on the same level, we are not, and I'm not saying this to put myself above anybody. I'm just stating a fact. And I think it's interesting that, and very sad, and it's very telling that somebody with five or eight years wants to stand side by side with me and speak as if what they're saying about this topic has the same amount of weight. It does not. It does not. That's another one of the sinister things at work today. There are people with a lesser, I won't say little, but lesser experience trying to equate themselves with other people. And no, you, you can't do that. And only humble people are going to do that. Only emotionally intelligent people are going to say, you know what? I've got, I understand it. I've got ears. This is what I think about it. And we can dialogue about it, but, but we weren't going to vault ourselves over the people who preceded us. And the same thing can't happen today. I don't matter. I don't care what the discipline is. The same thing is at work where people, sometimes people are trying to vault themselves because they simply don't like taking a back seat. They don't like acknowledging someone who brings more to the table than they do. It exists. 
It will always exist. It always has existed, this principle. And we need to, to actually pave way for it. We need to honor it for the well-being of the discipline. Because right now, we're upside down in UX because those people with lesser experience are trying to vault themselves. They're trying to disavow those of us who've been in it in the work longer, pretend that we don't exist, downplay the things we say, equate what they say with the things we say, because they're basically trying to supplant us. They're trying to, to they're trying to displace us and replace us. And and and, and I've got people who preceded me. Uh, person A, B, C, or D got people that they have people who preceded them. We need to get everybody in their proper place. It's really important for the well-being of the discipline. This is really sad. Interestingly, when you talk to some of these people, if you find out a little bit about their background, you will find that some people have spent their whole lives ignoring and disavowing people who went before them. And this may sound a little strange, but it's true. And I'm you, I've been... I've been a counselor longer than I've been a, a UX person. And, and so I've seen it. There are people who they've grown up being around adults and authority figures, guardians, teachers, whatever, who they know have a whole ton of flaws, uh, people that they didn't have very much respect for. They've grown up around authority figures that they didn't respect people who didn't give them a reason to respect them. And, 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 and that actually turns into a thing where people grow up and they just have no respect for people that are, that, that have gone before them. It's something they, that it became a part of their persona. It became a part of their personal culture. And so they have a difficult time honoring anybody. <laughs> they just, and, and they're just, they, they, they eat, drink and sleep anarchy because that's how they grew up. They don't know what it's like to have an adult or a person of authority over them that was actually deserving of some honor or some respect. And so they grew up like that and they're still like that. And then they come into UX and then they want to do the same thing. And so in so doing, they establish their own truth. They establish their own reality and they actually become destructive individuals. So again, I always talk about there's no positive and negative. There, there's constructive and destructive. These people are destructive because they don't acknowledge facts. They don't embrace anything that's authoritative. They reject anything that that reeks of accountability. They want nothing to do with that. And it's not because the thing that they are refuting and the thing they're fighting lacks something to, to give honor to. They just are completely honor-averse individuals. So they're going to fight against it. They love anarchy. They love not having a rules. They love not having accountability because they don't want to give it. And then there's a whole bunch of people in UX today that don't want to give accountability and they don't want to sub subject themselves to anything that has to do with, with honor because they don't have any honor. So, <laughs> but that's just, it's just a fact, folks, whether anybody likes it or not. And, and little things like this are hurting us, are hurting us. And so we have this UX has become an an atmosphere filled with with an insidious. It's it's the, the atmosphere itself is insidious, and that's not good. 
especially when the work that we do revolves around ethics and integrity. And we have all these things going on that are counter to those things. So all these things that I'm mentioning, folks, they're reflective of foolishness. They're reflective, I've already said this a couple of times, but I'll say it again. They're reflective of arrogance. They are short-sighted. If we want UX to have a viable future, we have to take the discipline back. We have to take it from the predatory educators. Many of them are spouting UX slash UI. We have to take it back from the trolls. Many of them. All all these things I'm about to mention, all tied into UX slash UI. Posers, retrofits, upstarts, opportunists, people who are more engaged in UX theater than doing actual UX work. We just shorten that by referring to them as the performers. UX slash UI is dangerous. In closing, it is dangerous. Want to make some progress? Let's get rid of this. All you new UXers out there, you heard UX UI. You don't realize that when you hear it and you think it's legit, you start grounding yourself in anchoring bias. You heard it, so you believed it to be accurate. You believed it to be true, so you followed it. And as soon as you hear me saying something like this, people who've been saying UX UI for years, you hear it and you have a difficult time backing out. You hear what I'm saying and you understand and you actually agree, but you have a hard time backing out. Well, it's time to engage from the perspective of discipline. It's time to stop saying UXUI. It's time to end the reign of this faux principle that brings nothing to the table, offers no benefits to us as practitioners. It offers no benefits to the stakeholders, the people who never knew It was UXUI, the use of that acronym didn't come about until somewhere between 2011, 2013. But people kept learning about UX, but didn't understand it. And they equated it with visual design. And that's where UX slash UI was born. So we need to find this UXUI, put it back in prison where it belongs, (laughs) and eventually eradicate it to the point that it's no longer said, no longer used. Let's put an end to the use of this sinister and insidious combo acronym that's leaving nothing but destruction in its wake today. And let's take the discipline back. Anybody with me today? Let's do it. Let's get to it. I I, I will never stop fighting this battle. It is not an innocent acronym. It does harm people, even if it's just from the perspective of how they perceive the discipline. It harms people. It creates problems and it creates a lot of spilled milk that we need to clean up. So let's put an end to UX slash UI today. Folks, that is it. Told you we were dedicating this episode to this one topic. Death to UX slash UI (laughs) is what we're calling for today. But we got to do it professionally. We have to educate people. We have to help them to understand in its place. Let's help people to understand what real UX is. Let's help them to understand the four pillars of usability and heuristics, information architecture, UX research, and interaction and interface design. UX encompasses all of these things. So, got it? Good. All right. That is all the time we have for today. Thanks for taking the time to listen. And until next time, 
it is time to sign off. So this is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX, wishing everyone all the best. And until next time, happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.